Hello, Tribe. It's the Department 12 Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina. Today, we're joined by Dr. Gordon B. Schmidt, who is an associate professor and current chair of the Organizational Leadership Department at Purdue University, Fort Wayne. He has a doctorate in organizational psychology from Michigan State and probably the most coveted Twitter username in our entire tribe. Welcome, Gordon. Can you tell us what your Twitter handle is? Uh, my Twitter handle is IO Psychology. Uh, and how did you get that? Was it just you were the first on the scene? Well, in 2009, I think when I was signing up, I actually wanted IO Psychologist, but somebody had that. So <laughs> thought I might as well go for IO Psychology because that was there. <laughs> you got a good one. So we are gathered here today to talk about a paper you wrote for the symposium section of the Journal of Leadership Studies, which we will, of course, link to in the show notes. And this paper, it's small, but it's mighty, just about a page and a half long, but you do pack a lot of ideas into that sucker. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's father gave him some famous advice. He said, skate to where the puck is going, not where it has been. And you think we need to apply Mr. Gretzky's advice to leadership. Is that right? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think in general, when we look at research, it can be very backward focused. <laughs> We're looking at what's happened in those trends. Um, and we don't look nearly well enough at what's going to happen, which would be kind of more useful, I would think, really. <laughs> so the, the two trends that, that you identify uh, where the puck is going is virtual work and the gig economy and how those two things are going to Mm-hmm. to interact and change leadership. So could you just give us a, a short thumbnail version of, of where you think we're headed with this? I don't know if I can go shorter than the paper, really, <laughs> since it was like 1,100 words. <laughs> um, but, but basically what I talk about that is with these two trends is more and more work is being done online. It's being done in groups where people don't interact in person, while at the same time this this internet is also allowing so much more work to be parceled out to just hold different groups of people. And when you look at the gig economy, we have all these different people across the world doing different tasks. Um, and we mostly haven't really thought about gig workers as working together or leadership wise. But if this really is a big part of what the economy is going to be at some point, we got to start really thinking about that a lot more. So. That's kind of what the paper talks about is Mm -hmm. how this is a different environment than we often think about with leadership. And this is a different workforce and a different leader, potentially. Yeah. Uh, And and I think that is that's where I want to focus in. But first, mm -hmm. I want to step back just a little bit and and ask about something. It's right down in the weeds, but it's a new phrase that I learned while reading this paper. Mm -hmm. And I love it when I can learn something brand new like this. Use the phrase compensated crowdsourcing. Can you tell us what that is and, and maybe provide an example? Uh, Sure. So compensated crowdsourcing, um, which we had wrote about in a paper in 2016 in Business Horizons, is just sort of this idea of we're having tasks done by the Internet crowd in some way. So we used to have, you know, real employees in our organization doing this. But instead, we're going to throw it up on a site like MTurk uh, or other websites, and we're going to get people to do that, the crowd in the Internet to do that task. Uh, at least theoretically at a better price, uh, cheaper work, maybe getting more people to do it. And so compensate in this case is people are getting paid for this because there's a lot of this that does happen as well that's for free. Uh, so when people ask, brands ask about what color you want something to be or design a T-shirt or contests, that's not compensated. 
in the traditional sense. This all is compensated, not always well compensated, but people are getting paid for this work. So I've got a a crowd, so to speak, that's doing some work. Um, and, and you can already sort of see how this kind of upends or at least forces us to rethink a lot of the research and the theory that we have built around the idea of, of sort of regular employees, whatever that means in our mind. Uh, so one implication of that is, you know, where I work every once in a while, we just get the hell out of the office on a Friday evening and we meet up at some bar for drinks and appetizers. And that's not going to happen with my hastily assembled team of, of fellow gig workers or compensated crowdsourcers spread out over the world. So what, if anything, do we do instead of that? So I do think there's a lot of opportunities for, for interaction um, just because the internet is full of these opportunities in theory, right? So I can share uh, a cute dog picture on Facebook with our secretary in the office, who's a Facebook friend, or I can share it with someone in Singapore I've never met in person. Um, and so these social media sites do, in theory, give us a, a very reasonable means to get to know each other, to talk to each other, even if we may never physically be in the same place. So I do think there's a medium for that. Uh, a lot of the early research looking at those connections was more worried about this and concerned about privacy, which still is an issue. Um, but now those things are potentially a medium by which you get to know your team, you get to know each other. And for sites like MTurk, we've got all of these forums online where people talk to each other, they encourage each other, uh, they give each other tips on how do you get the good gig worker jobs, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting because, you know, when we, I think when we started researching and thinking about the virtual workforce, it was more about like, well, how do we reproduce a meeting, you know, using this technology? How do we get these tasks done? And, and now what you're asking us to think about is, okay, that's not all we do at work. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of other ways that we sort of build relationships with those people that we work with. And, and how do we do that virtually? Now, when I think about leadership, even in a virtual context, my my framework, I guess, is kind of old school. I think about someone who works for the organization, a regular employee, so to speak, and who influences followers, whether they're also full-time workers or gig workers or contractors or whatever their status is. But you see a different form of leadership possibly emerging in the, the gig economy. Can you tell me about that? Well, I think one thing that we can see emerge a lot more is that emergent phenomenon as work is being done. Um, and so historically, we looked a lot at leaders as somebody's got that title and therefore they're in charge and they're the boss. A lot of times, of course, with the idea of who's the boss, the idea is they're the boss. So everybody listens. They just tell people what to do, which, of course, for anyone that's been in a real organization or interacted with really any human being at all, that doesn't work nearly as well. Um, and so what we see a lot more, I think, is that we can have these people that emerge as the task is happening. And that's what happens more of these gig workers. If you take a look at some of the message boards out there, MTurk Forum, you have people that act as leaders, that advise others, that influence people, but no one has necessarily designated them as the leader. Um, and that's certainly a model we probably need to think about more with gig workers and virtual work, as opposed to this sort of traditional, there's the boss, everyone listens to whoever that boss is. Yeah. And I, I love this idea of sort of roving bands of workers who bring their services uh, to an employer on a project basis, led by someone that I presume wears an eye patch. <laughs> what I like about that <laughs> idea is that the leader is earning that every day. To your point, there's nobody saying, you know, uh, I hereby dub thee the boss. 
at no point is, is he or she given formal authority or a title to wield. Instead, that leader has to make people want to work with him or her. And I think that makes for a very interesting uh, set of questions about leadership emergence, uh, among other things. Um, now, if I'm employing the services of gig workers, presumably one of the reasons I'm doing this is um, uh, speed, uh, flexibility, low cost. Um, I don't need to employ full-time people for something that might be a temporary need. So why am I interested in that team building cohesion or building organizational identification? What am I getting out of that as an employer? Why should I pay attention to that? Well, I think part of it is how gig workers ultimately do work. So the idea, at least originally, is you get some random people to do the task they do a good enough job because it's either easy or we have three people do the same task and average them out. Um, so we don't need high quality work. We just need some warm bodies that will take care of this. Um, and the, the issue is that when we actually look at who does tasks and how it functions is a lot of tasks are done by these power turkers, as has been used in some cases. These people that do this as a job or do this at depth. Uh, there was a study a few years ago where some researchers looked at their own MTurk history of what workers actually did their studies. And it was something like 10% of workers did 45% of their actual studies, which is, to be fair, I think very concerning if you're a researcher, that the same people are doing your same studies over and over again. Um, but I think it also does reveal that these workers keep doing these tasks that you're going to be interacting with the same people over and over again. And there's been a lot of the Internet that the idea of something like Wikipedia, where the idea is anybody can make a change. Right. But when we look at actual behaviors, there's a very small percentage of people that are making the vast majority of the content for Wikipedia. Or they talk about on forums, there's a few users that do the vast majority of the posts. Those people are actually really, really important to you. They're not just random people will fill it in. Uh, those people who are coming back, using it again, are really a pretty dedicated workforce for what you're doing. And so we probably need to understand them a lot better. Uh, and so I think that's part of the issue is the mindset hasn't really been uh, good on thinking about, okay, really these people yeah. are using again. And, and I can again. see the, the concern there from a research standpoint, if you're asking for information from the same pool of people over and over again, on the other hand, on the task side, I would imagine that has some real advantages of, hey, you know, we've got this small group of, of fairly dedicated gig workers. I don't know, we call them pseudo employees, maybe, or pseudo part-time employees. But I would imagine that over time, they get better at providing services to that specific employer. And so they're worth identifying for that reason. Yeah, and that's a thing where, you know, MTurk allows you to directly contact people that have done their your surveys before. Uh, or your tasks. So, you know, just from when I did that one commentary for, for IOP, uh, I still get messages to my email about, hey, you should do this survey um, type things because the idea was my work was what they were looking for. Or I had the right demographics. So I, I just got one yesterday that said, oh, it's a 12 cent task with a 12 cent bonus for you because you fit our category. Right. Um, and so we definitely see some organizations are realizing that and trying to use those workers again. Um, and we've got an article in Business Horizons that does look at th that from the task perspective. So if you're a business, you want the best person doing your job. You don't need a different person doing your survey every time 
like you might from a research perspective. And so I think it's a really interesting area. We, we've mostly, you know, in academia focused on quality of studies while in organizations, we really probably care more about quality yeah. of work. And, and I can see, right? you know, to anyone listening to this, who's getting started in a research career that this, this is, this raises a lot of really interesting research questions for them. Um, you know, not only in what might be the unique sort of dynamics of the gig workforce, but what are the boundary conditions on which our existing sort of base of theory and evidence might or might not apply uh, when we're talking about these uh, gig workers and, and compensated crowdsource folks and things like that. So I want to close this by asking a uh, probably a tough question, but uh, I think it'll be an interesting one. Let's suppose a very wealthy person was listening to this show and she said, you know, Gordon, I'm going to give you a million dollars to study this issue of the, the, the virtual future of leadership on the condition that you study the most important question out there. So for that million dollar grant and research funding, what would that question be for you right now? Hmm. It's a good question. I, hopefully <laughs> that listener is out there um, and hopefully I give a good answer then. Um, but I, I do think it would be very interesting to look at with gig workers to do more of a large scale longitudinal look at how they behave and what they do, because we have very much, you know, research in general is very snapshot focused. It would be great to look at workers over a period of a year and what they do and do they drop out and do they stay. I, I suspect that some of these people have been doing this for years and will do it for a number of years. Um, especially among the, the power Turkers, but we don't really understand the work, the workers very well in this area. Um, it'd be really great to be able to understand that at length over a significant period of time, uh, as well as how they ultimately connect to particular requesters or people. Uh, if you take a look at some gig workers in uh, not online, if you look at things like Uber, well, a lot of people are Uber drivers and Lyft drivers at the same time and things like that. There, there isn't necessarily a loyalty to one or the other. It'd be really interesting to follow some of these workers significantly over time and see how that changes. What do they do? Uh, what are their goals? Because there's making money, but there also is interesting tasks. There's also who's, you know, who's went to bat for you or helping out where we don't really have a good understanding. That's of how very that cool. And that's a very interesting answer because my mind immediately went to um, sort of looking at it from the organizational perspective and where you went with it. And I think it's probably a, a juicier uh, problem is let's look at this from the worker's perspective because we don't really know much about it. And to your point, a lot of what we do know is, is based on sort of cross-sectional research at snapshot in time versus, you know, what is life like for a multi-year, you know, power turker or Lyft driver or Uber driver and what sort of drives their decisions about who to work for, when, how often, uh, that kind of thing. So I think that uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of, sort of throw this question out there to the uh, the Twitterverse, the IO Twitterverse as well, and ask for their input on what they think good research questions for this might be. And uh, with that, I want to thank you very much uh, for spending your time with me tonight and for sharing uh, sharing your ideas about this very fascinating new topic. Yeah, ha happy to be here. <laughs>